Section nine of Miss Priscilla Hunter and My Daughter Susan by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. My Daughter Susan, Chapter Four Inconvenient Principles. I want to go away down on Vesey Street, said Miss Susan, directly she had dispatched her man John with a basket of dainties to tempt the sick wife are you equal to that journey or shall i put you in that uptown car and send you home i am not to be sent home i answered promptly i am resolved to see this day out it is one of the most astonishing days that i ever lived i have some queer days she said smiling but this is a very quiet one did you see the look of disgust on the faces of those fellows when i pushed in they expected me to be afraid but i wasn't i wish they had attempted violence it would have been the salvation of john smith i should risk their having much influence over him after that however they were kind enough to insult me and that will have a good effect poor john smith he is really very anxious about that sick wife of his he knows that the thing she desires most on earth is to see him a reformed man let alone he would conquer as it is he needs the strength of an angel and the courage of a martyr isn't it an absolutely appalling thing to think of there being laws made giving men the power to make a fiend of him and murder his wife sometimes that license business makes my blood just boil with rage and at other times it is so sublimely ridiculous that i have to laugh once i went to a temperance lecture given by an illiterate sort of man but he used one illustration which has clung to me ever since he imagined a party of men standing on the shore of a dangerous stream near the rapids engaged in saving or trying to save poor fellows who were whirling down the angry waters to destruction he described the eagerness with which those on shore worked the superhuman strength which the effort required and the horror of the failures suddenly it occurred to some man wiser than the rest to rush up stream and see what all this meant why so many men were being thrown down towards the rapids behold up on the bridge stood a man who was pitching them in one after the other with the most composed and decorous air imaginable see here called the other stop that what are you about don't you know enough to know that men are being drowned down here in the rapids they have gone over dozens of them we couldn't save them are you mad stop i say i won't said the man in calm reply my friend i've got a license i can make money at this business if i didn't work at it someone else would i might as well have the money as any one i'm licensed according to law you have no right to stop me and in went a man now of course a critic would say that the cases were not parallel that illustration was far-fetched and all that sort of thing i don't care how far it was fetched it sometimes seems to me that a few of us are just standing down by the rapids trying to save a man here and there while the law is at work licensing men to stand on the bridge and pitch them in how i wish i could vote what good would it do the women would all vote just as their husbands do 
and what would be gained now my dear madam you are always to remember that some of us haven't husbands we at least could be supposed to have minds of our own but what does that argument amount to there is my father who votes the no license ticket with all his strength if women could vote there would be my mother and my sister alice and myself to make his vote count for now suppose for a moment that he voted for license if you can suppose so impossible and absurd a thing don't you think you see my mother and my mother's daughters doing it well but said i there is joe baker who lives down the lane from our house he has a wife and four daughters and he votes for license and drinks all the liquor he can get and do you imagine that they would cast five votes on his side let me tell you you don't know them if you think so i do and i know that they would lie down and die in the attempt to reach the poles if need be and feel that they had not lived in vain if they had cast five votes for freedom from their life curse no ma'am those who profess that the drunkards wives and sisters and mothers and daughters would vote to have rum sold show plainly that they don't know what they are talking about there are doubtless a few miserable exceptions women whom rum has so degraded that they have lost their womanhood but the masses if you want to know how they would vote visit them as i do and hear them talk and pray do you believe that women ever will vote i asked her branching from the argument at hand with the suddenness of a politician who had been worsted oh i don't know if we could have some new laws made by which women have the right to vote on such vital subjects as these and yet not be voted for not be eligible to office you know isn't that the word for to most of the offices neither nature nor culture leads them i should like to vote but if i've got to be made a senator of or an assemblyman woman of or submit to any of those degradations why i'm afraid i should want to wait a while so far as the mere act of voting is concerned i think an immense amount of twaddle has been written and spoken concerning it i know some dainty little bits of flesh and blood and silk and velvet who lisp out that they wouldn't vote for the world it would be stepping out of their sphere though immodest you know and degrading calculated to destroy all the scent of delicacy and refinement and those same creations of refinement will dance half the night with men whom i won't recognize on the street i can conceive of more immodest things than the slipping of a bit of paper into a box this is vesey street i want to go into mr selmser's office mr selmser she said the moment she caught sight of that dignified-looking gentleman have you any vacant places for workmen mr selmser thought not well now you ought to have are you employing temperance men have they all signed the pledge well really as to that mr selmser did not know there were no drunkards among his workmen he never submitted to that but whether they were pledge signers was extremely doubtful the truth was he didn't believe he had ever inquired and you a president of a temperance society said miss susan 
with just a touch of dignified surprise in her voice mr selmser this thing needs looking after the liquor party can afford to provide work for their men they can afford it seems to buy their influence and their time and their souls by promising steady employment and good wages now the question is what are we on our side about here is john smith actually thrown out of employment because he has signed the pledge and a chance for several others to be served in the same way are we going to stand that well now miss susan what can we do about it do about it why see that they have work of course is there nothing in this city that ought to be done no public improvements that would furnish work and be a blessing to the people i've passed at least three streets to-day that need to have rows of old buildings pulled down and decent ones put up the hovels in which those people on clark street are living are a disgrace to the city and the park needs work done in it and there are miles of road that need repairing why of course all these things cost money and so do poor houses and orphan asylums and prisons to this rush of earnest words mr selmser listened in a sort of embarrassed silence and i could not help wondering whether miss susan knew and whether he remembered that most of the hovels on clark street were owned by himself presently he rallied well but miss susan there are so few of the people having the means who feel that way we couldn't do one hundredth part of what needs to be done if we attempted it then we clearly should not be responsible for the one hundredth part should we but simply for the part that we could do god will not call me to account for your undone work mr selmser only my own this could not have been a new idea to mr selmser yet he seemed struck with it and i was not surprised to hear several weeks thereafter that a regular system had been put in operation whereby any honest unemployed man who was a signer of a total abstinence pledge could find employment and fair wages by applying to one of ten men located at convenient portions of the city the immediate result of this conversation was that john smith went to work the next morning at seven o'clock we will have some lunch now said miss susan as we turned from mr selmser's office we are not likely to get home until after the dinner hour very well i said we are quite near a good place just around the corner on mason street is a restaurant where i occasionally lunch i find very good accommodations you can't mean the mason parlors i detected surprise not unmingled with indignation in the voice of my young friend in spite of which i was obliged to meekly admit that i did mean the mason parlors excuse me she said decidedly but i can't lunch there of course you do not know that the back room belongs to them and that they retail wines and beer and indeed anything in that line which is called for they get no custom from me but can you find a restaurant where something of that sort isn't sold yes'm one at least several for that matter but the one nearest to us is on lincoln street not a very stylish place the fact is they can't afford to be stylish because they are not supported by rum 
and because temperance people do not go out of their way to patronize them but things are clean and neat isn't it nearly half a mile away i asked still speaking meekly for i was getting some new ideas yes'm it is but the street car that we can take at the corner passes their door five cents and fifteen minutes will take us there it isn't so convenient as the mason parlors you see i think we often find principles inconvenient don't you to this question i made a sort of muttering reply for i began to be dimly conscious that hitherto my principles had not been so inconvenient as they ought to have been on two other occasions during that memorable day did i venture to offer advice with unexpected results as we were hastening from one line of cars to another i espied the sign burke's oyster depot aware that he kept the best oysters in the city i asked are you mindful of your mother's commission about oysters here is burke's we never buy at burke's she answered promptly he is a liquor dealer you know as well as an oyster dealer i am ever so sorry for i like his oysters better than any that we find which is another wise thing that our temperance grocers submit to the idea of letting a liquor dealer keep the best oysters in town sometimes it really seems to me that the brains of the city are in satan's hands and he certainly knows how to manage them i said nothing in reply for the reason that my eye had caught sight of some unusually fine-looking oranges there i said you were looking for nice oranges you will see none nicer than those i am sure miss susan stopped short in the street and gave me a curious troubled look for a moment then she laughed outright are you in that last-named person's employ to-day my dear madame she asked or is it pure accident that you continually direct my attention to restaurants oyster depots groceries etc where the main article of dependence is rum is that a rum establishment too i asked in surprise how do you find those things out they have no sign i never even thought of it before which is precisely the difficulty with two-thirds of our temperance men and women she answered with kindling eyes they don't think and indeed many of them won't think it is not pure thoughtlessness in all cases either it is well what shall i call it it looks wonderfully like indifference it is more convenient to trade at a rum seller's or he keeps better articles or he is second cousin to someone's brother's uncle's cousin's friend some reason can be found why it is best to patronize him in spite of his want of principle indeed i meet with not a few women who do not descend to particulars but content themselves with that favorite argument among a certain class of americans fiddlesticks and in some respects it is really the most unanswerable argument that can be offered because after you have given what you consider to be an earnest and practical reason on the other side what can you say to a woman who tosses her head and curls up her nose and answers fiddlesticks i tell you dear friend 
it is a matter of great encouragement that the temperance cause has made the advances which it has when you think of the namby-pambyism of one-third of its nominal advocates end of section nine